Well, we continue in our study of 1 Peter to chapter 2, verses 9 through 12 this week, and you'll see the words on page 8 of the bulletin uh, or in your Bibles if you'd like to turn there. Ever since Adam and Eve were banished from the garden, way back in the early days of creation, well, not of creation, but of the fall, mankind has been possessed of a deep inner need to be accepted, to be in. You may first have noticed it around middle school when you began to see that certain people clicked in certain groups and others didn't. And it was almost as if you had to have a certain entry card to get into certain groups that were grouping up within the school. And it was a painful experience not to be acceptable to those that you wanted to be acceptable to. And so you tried to find other ways to qualify, to be in. Peter addresses this need in verses 9 through 12 as we read in the passage this morning these words. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which was against, which war against your soul. Such And live such good lives among the pagans, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. This is God's word. Let us pray. How helpful it is, O Lord, to have your truth in this world of darkness, to have your light and grace working its way into our cold hearts. Once again, we pray that this might happen today and into the future as you mold and reshape us into the image of Christ and you make us a people who please you, not because of our own qualifications, but because of the one who loved us and gave himself for us. And it is in his name that we pray. Amen. Peter is going to move on to what he wants us to do, but before he does, he gives us a series of pictures of what the church is like. And this is one of the famous passages of the New Testament based on the Old Testament book of Exodus of descriptions of the people of God. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And we must remember that he's addressing these words to all kinds of folks of various nations and backgrounds. To God's elect, verse 1, strangers in the world scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. So they were hardly one nation. And yet he calls them a holy nation. Because of the persecution, they hardly felt chosen. But as in verse 1 of chapter 1, and here in verse 8, he calls them a chosen people and a royal priesthood, a people belonging to God. Now, this is an echo even just of what we saw last week in verse 5. 
these stones that he spoke of so memorably, have been built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. And I said at the time that the English teachers among us would be unhappy with these mixing of these metaphors like this. Uh, but the Bible doesn't worry about those constructs. Uh, the Bible is filled with good news that sort of bursts apart language. Uh, uh, here he calls us even a royal priesthood, which is mixing two things, a kingliness, a, a, a royalty along with a priestly. I mean, David was the king. He wasn't the priest. Even Samuel was only a judge and priest. It was Saul who was king. So here we bring together a number of images. The Bible does this on a number of occasions. Paul just burst Koine Greek with the gospel message, breaking all kinds of grammatical rules of the day, not because he was ignorant of them or because he was uninterested in those, that kind of thing, but because the truth of the gospel and the power of the gospel can't be held just in a small and confining set of structures. So we're told that we're priests, that we're a holy nation, and that we are a chosen people, a people belonging to God. We have a status if we believe in God and if we trust in Christ. So I've listed here those characteristics of the priest, and the first of them is access. If you were in the Old Testament era and you were wanting to be a priest, the first question would be, are you a male? If you were, the second question would be, are you a Levite? If you couldn't say yes to both of those questions, you could not be a priest in any lawful manner. You couldn't come in to the Holy of Holies, and you couldn't serve in the priestly office. We don't know all the reasons for that, but surely one of them them was to show the importance of access, and yet which Levite had done anything to be a Levite? And which male had done anything to be a male? Their qualifications were given to them at birth. They hadn't earned it. They hadn't provided their own access to to the sacrificial system. A priest is someone who has access. He goes into the holy place. He has access to the gospel, and to God's presence. This, as I say, is the central wonder of the gospel. And it is my longest point this morning. We read in Romans 5 these words, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace into which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Only the priest could go in. Only they were qualified. And now he says to these people, both Jew and Gentile, male and female, Levites and non-Levites, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. What does this mean? Well, the priests were given beautiful garments. They couldn't come dressed just any way. Even if they were male and even if they were Levites, they had to come on God's terms at certain times, in certain manners, clearly prescribed by the one who controlled access 
to the, to the altar. They dressed up to impress, to be let in. Jesus told the parable, you know, of the wedding feast that people who weren't dressed properly were not let in. Christians get into the ultimate mansion, the ultimate dinner party, the inner ring. We all have a sense that we're outsiders, that we don't qualify, that we're not in. Verbal advantage is set up, you know, to teach people how to speak so that they can be well accepted into any realm and rank of our culture. And we have been taught since at least middle school that if we're going to get in, we're going to have to be qualified. We're going to have to be acceptable to other people. And so with our brains or our talent or our our, our money or our family connections, we find, we seek a way to get in. As I said earlier, this comes from the shut door of the Garden of Eden. What he sees in us, he does not like. He sees our sin. And so we compensate by trying to get into other rings and circles. If he won't let me in, then okay, fine. I'll find my own way. But this problem isn't cured by getting into some circles. Because we still have the sense that we're on the outside. That our greatest need has not been met. That we do not have access. The point of this passage under application is not to appoint Israel as priests for the nations, neither is it to exclude a special priestly office within Israel. The point is that Israel has been brought into such close fellowship with God that their access to him is priestly. They are acceptable to him. They are in. And why? This access has been declared, as it is in a number of places in the Bible, Colossians 1, verse 22, Zechariah 3, Psalm 15. Who can ascend to the holy hill of God? Only there is one who is holy, who did go in, who could go in and make us fully acceptable to him. Does he like me? The Bible says he loves me. Does he like me? The answer is yes. We read it many places. Here's one, Jude 1, verses 24 and 25. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault. And, and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forever. Amen. He loves you. And he likes you, or you wouldn't come in. And the reason he likes you is not because you are those few chosen uh, attractive ones, the people who have all the possessions and all the ability and all the talent in the world. The reason he likes you is because of his son. He loves his son. And his son said, when you look at me, look at them. And when you look at them, look at me, because I am connected with them. I have gone into the Holy of Holies. I have given myself for them. I have provided a way of access through, the, through faith, and well, all I have is theirs. And so he has, does present us in his presence without fault and with great joy. Now, I pound away on this subject because I know 
for myself and others, that this is a, a point which is exceedingly difficult to grasp, not because it is intellectually high, but because it runs against what other people's appraisals of us have been over the years. You're not good enough, fast enough, tall enough, smart enough, strong enough. And so we begin to think that we could only be acceptable on certain circumstances. And only if we only make it a certain, uh, make a certain uh, success of ourselves. But the scriptures say through Jesus Christ, he has made us acceptable. So that when the Father looks at us, he smiles. He gives us his approval and wants us to be a part of his life. Otherwise, these words mean nothing in Jude 24. We understand that Jesus died on the cross, making us clean. And as Leon has sung, and as we have said this morning, we need to be cleansed of our sin. We get that. But we move over too quickly the second part with great joy. And if we take a moment to look at Zechariah 3, we would see that he rejoices over you with great joy. His delight is you. Now, we go through life without being very many other people's delight. Very few people delight in us. Just a fact. Hopefully one or two or half a dozen. But he delights in you with great joy all the time. All the time. It's because of Jesus. It's because he is alive and because he has finished his work. He delights in you. And so to that only God, our Savior, be glory and majesty and power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. It won't change. His work is finished. And his appraisal of us is over. Again, in Colossians 1, we read that he has qualified us to share in the inheritance that we have. We didn't qualify ourselves. Now, in Acts 21, they wanted to kill Paul for letting the Gentiles into the temple. They they just saw that that law had not been changed by Jesus and what he did. But now, the Gentiles have access over Peter's objection. If it was up to Peter, at least up to Simon, no Gentile would ever be permitted into the temple. Never. They weren't qualified. They were uncircumcised. They were of the nations. They were not God's people. They could not come in. But he and Paul have had a change of mind. And Paul says in verse 28 of Acts 21, he has brought Greeks, as they accuse him, they say he has brought Greeks into the temple and defiled this holy place. And Paul says, no, because Jesus went into the temple. Jesus went in and made it clean and pure and qualified us. So if we trust in him, we are in cosmically acceptable on the inside of his kingdom. This is exceedingly difficult to grasp because the rest of our lives we see barriers. 
No, you can't come in here. Can't come in here. Come in, can't come in here. I was trying to think of an illustration in my life where I was allowed in somewhere that I ordinarily wouldn't be, and this is the best I can do. When I was in a teenager uh, back in St. Louis, every year the Shrine Circus would come to town. And I liked to go. It was fun. See all those clowns in a Volkswagen? See the high wire acts? I liked to go. But it was always at Bush Stadium when the Cardinals were out of town. So one year when I was there, uh, I knew through my wife's family, some of the lieutenants and captains of the uh, shrine. And one of the men said, uh, would you like to go in the dugout? Now, there was no baseball team there, but I said, well, are you kidding? Sure, I'd like to go in the dugout. Come on, let's go. So down we went, and it was so fast, I, I, I had no recollection of which way we turned or where. But everywhere we went, when we met somebody who might have stopped us, they knew the guy that I was with. He said, it's all right, let's go. We're going, we're just coming in, for, we'll be right out, we won't cause any trouble. Next thing I know, I'm in the dugout, looking up at the stadium from a perspective I had never had before and have never had since. I had access, I was in. Somebody got me in, they knew the way. They got me past all the barriers. It was an amazing feeling, very unexpected. I didn't know, go to the Shrine Circus expecting to have that happen. And so it is with salvation, is it not? We have someone who gets us past every barrier, takes us to a place more wonderful than we would ever have thought possible, and allows and enables us to be seeing things that we've never seen before at least not from that perspective. What freedom there is to know that I have been brought in and that I have a right to it, that the one smile from God that he has given me has now made me free from the control of everybody else. Like any priest, you have to watch what you're wearing. There's no doubt he talks about that, but he has let us in. But until you know that how this alienation affects your life, you will never get in. You... I mean, it's just hard for us to believe such a thing. And I hope this morning's message will help you to, 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 to look again at the fact that because in our lives we are so often told no, that we can hardly believe it when we are told yes. Because we spend our lives being told that we are disqualified in so many ways, it can't be true that it would be that we were in, that we were acceptable, and that we had access. But that's what the phrase means. The Jews who were priests in the days of the Old Testament were in, simply by basis of their birth. They hadn't done anything. Little George, born a few weeks ago, will one day be king of England, perhaps, if the succession goes his way. He's the oldest son of the oldest son of the oldest son. What did he do? Nothing. He's in. He's royalty. And not only, see, that's just it. It's not only that we have access, but we have standing. We have royalty. We have connections with a duke of something the duchess of something else, every one of us, we have access as a part of that royal family that has 
been brought in because the king opened the door. He got us in. Now, not only did the the priest have status, he also had character. There is a character quality that flows from knowing that you're in. When you start to say, I am in because of Jesus, it changes the way you behave. You have a praising spirit and not an irritable spirit. And you have a repenting spirit and not a defensive spirit. This is how our Savior was. Jesus was not even irritable when the disciples fell asleep on him. There's no critical spirit. Although he's the judge of the universe, there's no critical spirit in his being. Before, when criticism came, if it, even if it was true, you and I jumped on the part that was wrong. Well, they were right, but I didn't like the way they said it. Right? What they said was true, but the way they said it was not good. The Christian, however, knows that he or she, when we know that we're in, we can take criticism. We can take the part that's true and acknowledge it. Sometimes God's truth comes from a donkey. Balaam found that out. So many of us focus on the accuser rather than the truth that may be in it. When you know you're in and you can't be cast out, then you can take it. Okay. Yep, you're right. I didn't do what I should have done. I'm not happy about it, but I'm not crushed either. Because I am a child of the king. So being holy is not less than being decent, but it is a lot more. Jesus was always decent to his people. His character was strong. So in other words, the the implications... Of, of being allowed access into his presence and having him rejoice over us is that no one else can take it away because they didn't give it to us. Our standing can't be taken away because it didn't come from them. It came from the only one who can qualify us. So our approach to criticism and our approach to our own effectiveness, perhaps, is, is transformed. Furthermore, there's a duty in Hebrews, which has a lot to say about priests. We read these words. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God, since we are all royal priests, a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. The Old Testament priest had two jobs. They were advocates for the people in worship. They received their offerings and they offered them on their behalf and prayer. And they took care of the weak and the needy. So when the leper was cleansed, what did they do? They had to go to the priest. And the priest would reinstate them into the full standing of the nation of Israel. So the Old Testament priest had two jobs. They advocated in worship and prayer. They took care of the needy. Many who care for the poor care nothing for prayer. And many who care the most for prayer care little for the poor. But spiritual priests care for both. So, you have resources to put yourself out for others. You are in, so you can go out and help others. The priest was qualified, and he was the one whose job it was to qualify others who came before him. And if they were qualified, he had to, he had to adhere to the law. Is your sense of alienation beginning to be healed? I should have said beginning to be healed because 
I don't think we get complete healing here in this world, but is your sense of alienation beginning to be healed? Come on in. You are welcome through Jesus, the great high priest. Oh, that we could gra- oh that I could grasp this on a day-to-day basis. That the cross means not only a cleansing of the record, but an inviting in. Not only setting free of a prisoner and a, uh, a, a, reje- a, a reprehensible person, but the inviting in of the wayward and making him a son. A robe, a calf, a ring. So we are a kingdom of priests. And we can be asked to do most anything if we know that we're loved. Here, as in so many other places, the Bible says that you are qualified in. You have access through Jesus Christ. Let's thank him together. Lord, we do spend a lot of our time hoping to be able to make it in other people's eyes. When we're in school, we want to be in the right crowd. When we're looking for jobs, we want to, we want to be able to get the one we want, the higher and better position. When we're seeking to get into school or in the military, we want to be able to qualify. And so our minds run in that direction always. And we begin to believe that all we really need is more money and more time and more beauty And we'll be fine. But none of those things, money or beauty or time, can forgive us of our sins. Only you can do that. None of those things can qualify us in your sight. None of those things can we take with us for comfort in the valley of the shadow of death. And none of those things live on. And so we pray that you might help us take to heart today this reminder from your word that we are a holy priest qualified by our elder brother Christ who went in for us first and gave us the most beautiful prospect. And now we have and share with him the great joy of the Father over us. In his name we pray with thanksgiving to all eternity. Amen.